ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode number 128 of the Get Around Podcast on this beautiful Memorial Day, the warmest day of 2020 so far, gentlemen. Walked outside, I asked Google and said, hey, what's the temperature? 83 degrees in Traverse City today. We're all in shorts, right? Yeah. And that's a first, first of the year. I've been wearing shorts for like a week. Well, I mean, all of us here at the office. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, Jake. This is the first time I've recognized like what Traverse City is like. You know, like, oh, why, yeah. why people come to this? City? Oh yeah, I mean, it's a little hot and muggy, but uh, this is like this is the start of it all. Now we know. I mean, once it hits 80, we know it's not gonna snow again. Like, that's knocking on wood. <laughs> uh, we know I, it's not put, gonna snow. I put again. the snow shovels away yesterday. Oh, man, that's a jinx move. Still gotta run out the snowblower of gas. We've been outside a lot the last week. We all went golfing for the very first time together as as a as a get around guy since Andrew got here. Andrew's first time ever golfing. Yes. Exciting nonetheless. It was so fun. Interesting. Yeah. Exciting. What what was your overall takeaway from your first round of golf? So do we want to run through or do we want no, no, just, just my overall takeaway? Don't, don't, we don't need to tell the people how Highlights. bad it was. We do not have to like wait a few rounds until like you start to understand get, the game. Do, we can get a little yeah. bit more technical about how bad it was. You know, to be honest with you, I really wanted you to do a game recap of my first round. And oh, put it in the paper as like a column. Oh God, no! It's that would take three and a half years with how many times you swung the golf club, <laughs> straight up, <laughs> and with how much, and when you're putting photo assignments over over your ball for ten minutes at a time, it would have taken ten years in order to write that. Uh, There'd be a lot of adjectives in there, and a lot of them would not be good. A lot of expletives as well. <laughs> But they uh, got better. He got better as the day went along. No, definitely. By the by, the, I yeah. would say I would say the first like four holes were just completely clueless. Where where Andrew was just straight hacking at the ball, trying to just hack, and then he realized that he by I hole five. I had a couple five, good holes in the first couple. By, though. by by the by hole five, he realized that he actually had to look at the ball when he was hitting it and keep his eyes on the ball while he was swinging. It started to get better from there, slowly and slowly. And I think what was it like? Two out of the last three holes or three drives, you probably got like a nice solid like. 150 to 200 yards out of a drive and you're just like okay yeah okay so like there's progress but nonetheless i can't lie to all of our audible viewers here i tried to do a chip shot with a two iron because i thought the lower number meant it would go shorter <sighs> we have a long way to bring this young grasshopper into uh but i'd say the overlying uh thing lesson i learned from that is um you're gonna have a couple good holes you're gonna have a couple good swings but it just has the other 600 swings you take or however many I took are not going to be good. Yeah, but really I think the overarching takeaway is that we all suck at golf. Just some of us suck a little bit less than others. Yeah, you Did... two weren't good. I was just worse. I mean, true. I, I, I think I'm getting a lot better at golf. I shot 100 again yesterday. I'm getting my handicap. I like My, my average is like a 100. When last mm. year, this time, it was like a 114. Yeah, I mean, I shot when we played Thursday. I played, I shot one ten, which is probably better than any score I think I had last year. Yeah, and then, then we played again on Sunday, and I was atrocious. I, I wasn't even close code. to that. <laughs> I beat is, my it, area code. is your error code one two three? Because if not, you shouldn't be impressed. Jake, uh, I am from out of state. Well, yeah. What is the area code? Eight four seven. Yeah. So you're telling me seven hundred shots is what you wouldn't have made? That's what you're taking maybe a week of practice of golf. We got we got Andrew back up. We got Andrew on the course for the first time. I know we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. It took us quite some time. Pit stop on sixteen. Yeah, th- yeah. Shout out to our uh, producer Brian Steele for hooking up the bruise on hole number sixteen. Make sure we got a little pick me up on that back nine after going through it for a few holes. I think me and you each had like an eight or a nine right before that. We we're like, we really need this beer. 
You know how they call the Tiger uh, Phil Mickelson thing the match? Mm-hmm. I called that round one for me. Round one. Round one. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like the absolute zero of your golf game. And you now, didn't, but you didn't get KO'd, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna come back for round two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you'll be back. There you I'll go. Be ba- I will be back. When you got to the golf course yesterday, you'd never play. On I mean, you, you, or thir- right, on Thursday, when you got to the golf course yesterday, you had hit, you hit at the range what twice? Once right before the round, and once before that. Two two days before that. Yeah, yeah. so just you you swung maybe a hundred times. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like I was looking over to the right of like the dads teaching their six year olds how to swing a golf club, and be like. <laughs> Okay, so that's what you're supposed to do. You're like, okay, watching a couple of YouTube videos, and I had a, a couple of good swings that were going decently out there. I'm like, okay, this club works good. But what? What? <laughs> so you what learn was... right away not to stand behind Dad when he swings the club, because I remember that was one of the things that he was telling those kids. <laughs> I think he did. Now, what? What goes? What was going through your head on that first tee box when you stepped up and were like, I have, like, you saw us three drive the ball, and the then you stand up. First drive wasn't that bad, if I remember either. But but before you even drove. What was on your mind? How, what were you thinking? Like, were you intimidated? No. Not by us. I'm talking no. about by the game of golf. No, because I, I had swung enough before that to realize, okay, I know what's going to make this go in the air. I just don't know, like, the logistics of how to get it straight. I was confident in my swing enough that I can get it to go straight. That's not what ended up happening. <laughs> I'm confident in my swing enough that I can get it to go straight. And that's not what ends up happening. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, I had some really nice shots. I had some really good Phew, approach yeah. shots from like 150. I had a couple good par three shots. I was I was feeling it yesterday. Just to end our golf conversation, I did totally chip in for bogey <laughs> yesterday on par five 18 when we were golfing from off the green. That was a, it was a very nice chip. Jake was also chipped in for, but yours was a par, I, wasn't it? I chipped in for par on. I can't remember what hole it was. It was around the middle of the it round. It was like eighth or ninth, eighth or ninth Some, hole, something like that. Yeah, from underneath a tree. Yeah, with, a, think... with a thorn bush in your. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, your, I was like, uh, I was like straddling over top. Carriage. I was straddling over top of a of a pricker bush. I do want to let it be known, though. Uh, I, yeah, I think sixteen is the one I actually legitimately beat you on for fifteen. No, you did not beat me on fifteen. It was like 13, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you beat me by a stroke. I got like a nine. Because I had a really good tee off. <laughs> I got like a nine. Really ba- you had a really bad tee off. My recovery was probably crap. You ain't never going to beat me again, Andrew. Not a no, single I won't. Ball. I really won't. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get too deep in this episode, I want to remind you, we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. We do have a good show for you guys today. A uh, few things to talk about. Stuff is starting to reopen. Sports are starting to make their way towards competition on the field. And we're excited about it. We're going to tell you more about professional and some local sports that are going to be ramping up here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks in the Pulse. We're going to dive into a great interview with the MHSAA's Cody Inglis and former Traverse City Central Athletic Director about the MHSAA's plans for sports over the summer and into the fall months uh, just to kind of see what's going on on the inside there and see what type of action they're going to take in order to uh, make sure that sports can still happen in the state of Michigan. After that, we're going to get into the final discussion of our greatest athlete of all time bracket. And I don't want to spoil it, but you're going to be surprised. So stick around for the vote goat after our interview where we give you our final two contestants for the greatest athlete of all time, and we give you our cases for each one of them. Then after that, we're going to dive into the Hall of Fame, put three new members into the Hall of Fame from our spring sports seasons, and then we're going to get into our trifecta where I ask these guys what they're most excited for to return. 
Before we get too deep, always want to make sure that we get our loyal Audible viewers fed for liking, sharing, commenting on our podcast. Thank you to Sarah Dennis Parker for interacting with us on Facebook. You are our winner of two free Jimmy John subs today, so we'll be in contact with you to get those vouchers out. And remember, make sure that you like, share, comment, retweet for your chance to win a couple free Jimmy John subs via the Get Around and Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse, gentlemen. It's starting to beat. Yeah, I want to start. I want to start with the national. But like you said, the heart, the heartbeat of sports is kind of like it's starting to get there. It's like that slow murmur. They announced across multiple professional sports leagues in the last week, week and a half, what type of measures that they're going to be taking. Some N- sort of a plan. Yeah, NBA, uh, NHL, I- NFL. They're starting to open their team facilities for optional, you know workouts and things like that you got this weird thing going on where some states are allowing pro sports and some states aren't and it's kind of creating a weird divide where i think that what there's the orlando league for and the nba that's what they're looking at well they're looking no they're looking to yeah they're looking to basically play out the nba season on the disney campus in orlando because that's where they do the world, the wide world of sports, and there is something like five or six courts there, and practices, and, and area for all that type of stuff to go on. But which I could, do you understand like why that's happening? Like because I'm gonna take some little stuff from the COVID beat into this podcast. There, this isn't a national outbreak. Science has shown that a lot of states have had different peaks and different uh, reactions to COVID than others. It's not all as a nation because if because if you look at the nation as a whole it's just going to be influenced heavily by new york stats right michigan's what situation is going to be different than new york's situation montana's situation is going to be different than michigan's situation there's there's actually been a lot of data research into that so i can see why the governors of let's say florida and cuomo came out and said new york is a place where professional sports can happen i don't know if michigan's going to be one of those places it's it's kind of creating those weird dynamics that we don't really know what's going to happen, but do you guys agree with this? I, I mean, what they're doing is fine. I don't think... Arizona's a place where they said sports can happen. I mean, it, it will eventually. Like, right now, that's all, I'm not worried about right now. Yeah. Like, if sports can't happen right now, nothing's happening right now. I'm talking about them getting this stuff in motion and being able... I mean, you're saying well, professional sports competition can't happen. That doesn't mean that these people can't be moving into their practice facilities. They can't be working. They can't be doing stuff. That's more or less what I'm I think I'm it's creating a here. problem, though, because in, especially in high school sports, you know, if you're a blue-chip recruit, you want to know if your school is going to be playing in the fall. If you're a junior that has, wants to have this breakout year, you want to know this, if you're going to be playing in the fall. And actually, in Illinois, forget his name, but he was a five-star. He had offers from everywhere in the country. He said he's transferring to IMG because he was certain that they've already came out and said there's going to be high, high school sports in the fall in Florida. So he says, I don't want to play in Illinois. I don't want to play in Chicago. Yeah, but that, that is the 0.01% who can do that, that who, who are able to make the move across the country to go to high school. That I, I just wonder if that's going to continue. I no, I don't. This is this is what I think. Like, I mean, right now that's how it is. And th- these sports leagues, which we're going to talk to Cody English of the MHSA about how they're going to move in Michigan towards being able to play sports again. And when it comes to professional leagues, I mean, we're talking about the NBA. Like, yeah, there's only certain teams, certain cities who are doing it. But we're starting to move toward this no fan competition. You know, with no no fans there. I see what the NHL is doing. With the MLB, the MLB, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week about them releasing basically all these new rules for hygiene and everything that, that players would have to abide by, quote unquote, 
if they're able to return to play, because they still have not said that they are, but if they're able to return to play, this is what they have to follow. I mean, we've, we've already seen the stuff with the NBA with testing and all that, but which one of these major sports do you think is actually back first, James? I think it would probably be the NBA. I mean, the professional sports can get by on their TV revenue. I mean, yeah, they'll take a hit. They'll make less money than normal um, without concessions, parking, ticket sales, of course, all that kind of stuff. But the t- TV money is enough for them to break even, pretty much. Where it's, where it's going to be interesting would be college, where there's not enough, t- not as much TV money, especially if you're not in one of the Power Five conferences. If you're like a Western Michigan or a Central Michigan your games aren't on TV on a regular basis. You're not getting a whole lot of TV money. Your football program is operating off of ticket sales. Same thing with high school. I mean, how are how are athletic programs going to be financially viable if there are not any fans allowed to be at football games in the fall? Yeah, and the majority. I mean, the majority of these schools aren't pay to play. No, you know, no. Some, there's some there's only there's only a couple here around there. here. Yeah, some of the so, a couple, there's some sports at some schools that are just because of equipment needs and such like that. But for the for the most part, it's not pay to play. Mm-hmm. They get all their money from doors, donations, concessions. And even if you're paid to play, that, that's not paying for everything. That's yeah. just a small fraction of the, the cost. You're still getting ticket sales and, and all that stuff and some advertising dollars maybe in your programs, that kind of things. And all that stuff's going to go away if you have fanless games. And it's just going to be kind of weird. I'm not worried and, about annual, how weird it'll be. Annual, annual have a, just a giant outcry from parents too. If I mean, we saw that and you know when they were shutting down basketball – and it was originally thought that for the regional finals, they were only going to allow 50 fans from each school into the into the game. And you could see people on Facebook were like, what the heck, I can't go see my kid play? Or my grandparents can't, you know, my, my mom and dad can't go see their grandkid play? That kind of stuff. It's, and so it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. I think what it'll be interesting to see what Cody says about some of this stuff and, and how the MHSAA is going to approach this. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely make sure you stick around for that interview. And... Uh... Just one, one more thing. I mean, if we're going to talk about, you know, high school sports and even locally, there are there is at least one team we know of as of right now who's trying to make some return to normalcy, which would be the Leonel Rowing Club. I know you guys said that they got a practice, like their first practice of the year scheduled for tomorrow yeah. on Tuesday. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be practicing social distancing. You got, yep. you know, one person per boat, unless you already live together with siblings. You guys can do a, a two-person skull. Yeah, so but, it's single boats. And I think they're required to put – uh, sanitizer on the oars, you can wear on, a mask on the and stuff like that. Yeah, and masks. They have. I think they have to wear masks while they're on the dock. I, I think once you in... get in the boat, I think you can take the mask off. But once you're on, while you're on the dock, you have to have the mask on. With that, I mean, at least one local team. I know that every day that I've had to go to the store, I've come into the office, I've seen people running, and I know. I mean, normally you see the groups of Central Track and cross country runners, you know, running through downtown Traverse City. You still see those kids out there running, not in big groups or anything anymore, but you know that they're still working and they want to get back there. Rowing is kind of, what's the way, unique in that way, that you know you can kind of do that whole thing um, as a team, but individually as well and, and mm-hmm. still get that practice in. But, and with the erg machines and yeah, stuff, too, it's, inside. But it's also, but it's so, also yeah. one of those things that, like, you're not – it's not like basketball. It's not like football where you can go and throw a football and practice or you can go shoot up some hoops. No, you need to be in a boat on a river, and not just like any boat, a really big, expensive rowing boat that most people don't just have. You know, it's good that they get to get back out there and they're able to. I saw they had virtual rowing competitions. Just on like a rowing machine. Yeah. Machines, yeah. Yep. 
and there was virtual so that so this is interesting to me because you know there's there's like travel expenses if you qualify for nationals like there's one there's one part to be good enough to go to nationals for something like local local rowing team or something like that but you also have to have enough have enough money to actually drive down there get a hotel you don't really have that barrier with virtual competitions so they so they did that mm-hmm. yeah like i'm not i'm imagining it's not going to be cheap for uh you see gordy lafontaine tweeted out that he got invited to like a national all-star type football game yeah. in hawaii and uh, i'm like he's gonna have to pay his own way it's not gonna be cheap well i for one can't wait for sports to be back on the sidelines so let's go ahead and dive into our interview with assistant director of the mhsaa and former athletic director at Sutton's Bay and Traverse City Central, Cody Inglis. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around is extremely excited to welcome in the MHSAA assistant director and former athletic director at Sutton's Bay and Traverse City Central, Cody Inglis. Thank you so much for taking your time on Memorial Day to join us. Sure, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. I know there's a lot of questions swirling around high school sports. We have been speculating on the podcast over the last couple of months, and I know that you've been in the war rooms, you've been in the meetings, and you are you know, doing your best to make sure sports still happen in the state of Michigan in 2020. So I really want to get a chance to get inside that boardroom with you guys and kind of see what are the options for you know kids and athletes and parents moving forward. It's been a challenge. I'm happy to, to, to share some of the insights as, uh, as murky as they might be right now. I know we're still kind of early in this process, and it seems like the light at the end of the tunnel might just be opening a little bit. But what have the conversations been like over the last couple of months in regards to making sure that this entire year isn't just like a null and void? Yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, to say the least. This is, uh, I, I had it described to me very well by an athletic director the other day, and they said it's kind of to like trying to fly a plane while you're trying to build it at the same time because this is totally uncharted territory for us and uh, not something that any of us have been involved in. But uh, I think initially the thoughts were on what can we do to save the season for the senior class especially. That was where our thoughts were. That's where uh, for the first, I would say, month, that was where we wanted to be. I would tell you that once the calendar turned to April, that the more and more days that went by with this and you saw the severity of it and you saw the death rate rising and of COVID and you just saw that it was going to be very difficult uh, when, when we're struggling as a society and culture to control that aspect. Uh, sports takes a real uh, hard backseat and I think that's that was difficult to, to accept uh, as someone who's done this for their whole lives and has a passion for educational athletics to say we're just going to pull the plug uh, was very difficult. Uh, some sleepless nights and some, some Thoughts of the experiences missed and, and everything that kids spend their uh, lives for, coaches, parents, others that devote their time and energy to this, and then have it just taken away. Those those were difficult decisions and topics, and it's not what you get into this business for. It's 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 the very thing that we are. It's who we want to be as run tournaments and then provide experiences for kids, and we weren't able to do that. So that was difficult that first month, definitely. How has the conversations changed um, now that you guys have kind of left, you know, the spring season and the 2019-2020 sports season kind of behind? 
how has the conversation changed towards moving into more normalcy or regularity? Yeah, I think it's the the term we use a lot is new normalcy because we know it's not going to be the same. And and part of it is there, there's been a lot of brainstorming, uh, a lot of thinking outside the box, so much so that it, it makes your head hurt, <laughs> to be honest, because you don't know uh, how often this thing has changed, right? This thing has changed 100 times since it first started, and it's going to change 100 times more. Uh, you also realize that some of these things are being taken out of your hands. Uh, the fact is that we are, the MHSA is a nonprofit, voluntary, private association of member schools. Uh, but we have to take a little bit of our lead from obviously what government uh, officials are telling us and, and obviously what medical uh, officials are telling us, which are key. I think the other thing that, that we look at now is what can we get going to in the fall? I, so I think it's not, our focus now is, is not on the when, as much as it is the how. How do we get back to that normalcy that you suggest and that new normalcy that we all want? Is uh, What is that going to look like for us in high school sports? That's the reality of what we're facing now. So we aren't able to answer the when we're going to be able to get back, but we know it'll be when. We just don't know when. We, we can work on a how, and that's what our focus has been on right now. So those contingency plans, the, the what ifs, uh, when certain things occur and are we ready for those things when they do occur? That's our job right now. Mm-hmm. So how many different arcs, I guess, of the plan do you have for depending on whether rates are going down or going up or if there's, you know, maybe a, a, an increase in the in the fall like some people are, are fearful of? Uh, you know, how many different plans are you guys coming up with to try to try to kind of predict and, and have something in place for whatever may happen. I, I'm not sure there's a number on it because I think it grows exponentially each day. Yet I would tell you that it, it it's everything's on the table. I, I think it's the, the mindset of let's throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, and, and without getting any specifics, I think that means everything's on the table. I mean, everything from, I would tell you, switching sports seasons, is, is absolutely something that needs to be considered, all the way to having uh, games and events with no spectators to making sure that we're able to have some semblance of a sports season, if that means just in the spring, if that means just in the winter, if that means whatever, whatever it is, I think we've thought about it. Um, we also understand that some of these logistics are very difficult. And, and to be honest, academically, uh, is the most important thing. That's so intimately tied to the schools in academics needs to be first and foremost. And that's the challenge for us. Is, is, if we go back to school sports, as much as that's a normalcy factor, as much as that's what this society needs, I believe, there, there's a real danger in that in, in some ways if we do it too soon or don't do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the possibility of switching sports. What what would that be involved? Would it be moving sports around to maybe put sports that are maybe a little more individualized focused in the fall? Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things we've thought of. Um, I, I think very honestly, could you, could you do something where focused on outdoor sports, where we know right now going into the, the beautiful weather we're having right now, that people are outside, could, where we know what medical and, and epidemiologists tell us is that it does not spread as much outside when you have that ability to socially distance a little bit better and easier. 
And those outside sports provide that. And um, can we, in some way, change our sports seasons to sort of go with what the medical professionals tell us is, is going to be best to stem the outbreak of this even further? And I think that's that's what we're at. That, that's where, where we're looking. And whether or not we go that route, I think it's way too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, June 15th is the uh, next MHSA representative council, the governing body of the MHSA. They're going to, we're working as a staff very hard right now uh, to provide them some options. That's our job, and that's what we've got to try to do so that they can then on June 15th decide what might work um, and and at least get an idea. Um, Very honestly, that's going to be a challenge even by June 15th to to try to nail down what's going to occur in the fall when fall sports start on August. Now, I know that, I, once again, this is probably hypothetical, and you said basically everything's on the table, but, you know, even with switching sports seasons, I mean, would you guys even look at maybe only doing certain sports? I know at the beginning of this, we kind of talked about, or at least as us here, you know, us as some sports guys here, that, you know, contact sports might be kind of tough to do, or, you know, thinking about basketball seems a little bit different than doing, say, cross country or track where you can do pole vaulting or whatever by yourself. Would you guys consider, you know, canceling individual sports just so others can go on or anything like that? I think that would be pretty radical. Yet I also know that that's one of the things on the table. And I think the reason why is if you look at what some national governing bodies have done, the NCAA to a certain extent, uh, opening up practices as well as the uh, National Federation of High Schools, the NFHS, just has come out with some guidance along with the U.S. Olympic Committee and in, in trying to figure out what might work in different phases, as they call them. And, and as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the, the moderate risk, the high risk, and, and the lower risk. So the higher risk, we're talking about close, sustained contact, uh, lack of significant protective barriers, sports like wrestling and football and lacrosse and competitive cheer and dance. Those are going to be, those are high-risk sports based upon just how much contact and sustained contact you have. And then you got the moderate risk sports. Those are more the close sustained contact, but you have some protective equipment in place and it may reduce kind of some of that contact that you have. That's maybe basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, soccer, hockey. Uh, gymnastics, yeah. hockey, tennis. Then you, like you mentioned, pole ball, high jump, long jump, those mm-hmm. things. And then you have the lower risk ones. Those are the individual sports. You've got things like, skiing and golf and sideline cheer and cross country to a certain extent. How do you maybe get those things going a little bit sooner? I think that's a, that's, you've got to look at those things. And right now, if you look at the state of Michigan, golf in itself has been the one sport that's been opened up. And that's one of my sports uh, that I'm in charge of at the MHSA. And that's been uh, opening up those doors tremendously as opposed to any other sport. So, so would it be possible to say the MHSA could say, you know, we're going to play baseball in the fall and football in the spring? Absolutely possible. I think, again, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Here's the other challenge. Um, with, with some of this, we've got to remember that we're mandated by federal court order right now to have certain sports in certain seasons. So we would have to open up some things, and that's a challenge, above and beyond the challenge of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Those are things that we've got to look at and we're looking at right now. But those brainstorming sessions, I can tell you, are 
going on and, and a lot of things being shot back and forth of what could we do, how, how would this affect things. Uh, and I think you try to look at it with an open mind with an understanding that nothing's going to be perfect. So yeah. if nothing's going to be perfect, <laughs> let's let's see what we can do. Yeah, and you're, you're talking about the, the volleyball case, right? So volleyball would be one of those sports that couldn't be moved. Correct. That's correct. I think we would have to we would have to go back to federal court uh, to get them to ask them, including the the group uh, communities for equity that that sued the NHSA back in the mid two thousands to change the season. So I think those are things that are mm-hmm. we're talking about right now. But those are real initial early conversations, and I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to those as you can imagine. Cody, what takes governance? I've seen a lot of guidelines from the NFHS regarding the opening of high school sports and athletics. I think it was like a 16-page document that came out the other day. What and then, But then there's other states like Florida that are coming out and that are welcoming professional sports, and I'm assuming that would mean some degree of high school sports in the fall. What takes governance, the state officials' advice or the national advice? You know, I think that uh, this is uh, – it's been tough because there hasn't been really any national – standard of, of things, yet we are not necessarily governed by the NFHS, we're a member of the NFHS, but we also govern Michigan high school athletics. And, and so we're going to look at Michigan first, uh, very honestly, and how that's going to impact. There's, the reality is, is is where I'm at right now in, in DeWitt, Michigan, and where you guys are at in Traverse City, Michigan, where I lived for 20 years, I know are different. And as well as you look at Metro Detroit and you look at the UP, there's different ways this virus has impacted Michigan. And so we can't necessarily look at a one-size-fits-all. And I think that's what we're looking at right now, but with the understanding that travel is going to be very limited in this, even within our own state. Some of the big invitationals, we believe, uh, like a cross-country or volleyball invite, where teams travel hundreds of miles to go downstate, let's say, to play a team, uh, or, or play some of the top opponents in the state, those simply aren't going to happen. It's a lot It's a lot going to be regional-based competition, uh, and I think that is a reality, a new reality that's going to occur as soon as this fall in whatever sports that we have. The, the travel uh, isn't going to occur as much as we're used to, and I think that's something that we've got to adjust to. You mentioned earlier that the NFHS had that plan for con- the continuation of spring sports and the playoffs i think for the winter what was that plan if it were to happen i know that after schools got closed it kind of tabled discussions of that but what was it well i think that initially we were we were thinking very far out of the box we were we were thinking what can we do to save spring sports could we do a spring sports carnival could we do just even one weekend of spring sports to save something could we do winter sports in july could we do tournaments that finalize the, the winter tournaments that were still out there? I was literally uh, in the rink and in the state semifinals in hockey and another one of my sports that I run in Plymouth, Michigan, when this thing came down at 3.30 in the afternoon that Thursday, about two hours before the puck dropped. So we wanted to see how we could rescue that season. It, they were, again, trying to hold on any hope that we could do anything. I think if that would have happened in the first couple of weeks, great. But the longer we went, the the more reality kicked in, and that was going to be very difficult. What is the guidance the MHSA is giving its member schools on practicing and doing things over the summer that doesn't have to do with any type of actual sanctioned competition? So that's the tough million-dollar question right now. Uh, June 1st, in any normal year, opens up the summer rules in MHSA's calendar. 
meaning basically schools uh, can do what they want to do and teams can do what they want to do. That's when you see a lot of the team camps come out uh, in the team sports. That's where you see a lot of the seven-on-sevens in football. Um, those things are going to are, are wanting to be planned right now. I know that. The reality is we are under emergency order right now. That's not an MHSA rule. That's a state of Michigan rule. And so that state of Michigan rule closes all school facilities until that emergency order is lifted. And that emergency order right now dictates what schools can and can't do. Even if that emergency order is lifted, there's some confusion about whether or not school facilities are going to be closed or not. We believe that it's going to be an individual school decision, meaning that whenever that school's school year would have ended, let's say it's June 9th, that June 9th date would be the date that that school can then resume using their school facilities. We, we are working through that guidance right now to schools. Uh, this upcoming week is, is going to be a big week for us and getting that information out to schools. And in fact, that's really our main focus this week is to get guidance to schools because we're approaching fast that June 1st date when we know schools uh, want to get out there. The reality is that might be different for different schools. Even if the June 1st date stuck, the reality is schools would need to make that determination on their own. Because again, Traverse City is different than East Lansing, it's different than Novi, it's different than Marquette. And so the reality is those four cities are going to handle them differently. Those four schools are going to handle them differently. If you were still an athletic director at Sutton's Bay or Traverse City Central, how much would you be uh, just, just I, I, I don't want to say pulling your hair out, but... <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't have any hair, let's it, be right, honest. Right, that's, that's what I was going to get again. But uh, how much would you be pulling your hair out at this? Because you'd be like, you know, okay, we've got referees scheduled for, we've got, you know, buses scheduled and all this stuff for football games in late August. And now do we have to prepare for maybe rescheduling and getting the baseball field ready? <laughs> I, I think as an athletic director for 20 years, you realize that you needed to be flexible and nimble in making decisions and whether that was weather or cancellations or you name it, those were one thing. And then I prided myself on doing those things and being able to adjust as needed. This is a whole nother ball game. And again, there's no playbook for this, but the reality is that's why we want to at the MHSA try to provide some sense of guidance towards those schools and those ADs that have to work with uh, so many moving parts here. Um, and, and it, we need to provide guidance. And, and, and again, I, I go back to this, the mantra of this is, a, this is a how type of approach that we're taking. How do you get back to it? The when, we simply don't know now. I, my crystal ball's broken on this. Yeah. And I, I, just, <laughs> I wish it wasn't, but it is. And I don't know when. But I know how, and we know what best practices are, and we're getting a lot of great advice uh, from the medical community on this as we learn more and more about this terrible virus, and, and hopefully we can provide some of that guidance to our schools here sooner rather than later. And does it, I mean, does it look like at this point, unless things get dramatically better, that there's going to be some kind of restriction on how many fans can be at games that we start in the fall? If, yeah, if I were a betting man, I, I would say yes. Right now, uh, it, sitting here in, in late May, I have to say yeah. But again, I, I'm I, now you're asking me to go into that broken crystal ball now, and I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, I, everything is speculation. I mean, obviously, I bet. Yeah, but 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 I, I just I think the other thing too, and I I offered I got some hope at least sitting down in front of my TV and watching as bad as the golf was sometimes. 
watching uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning play yesterday because at least it was live sports, right? Uh, as we said, golf's a socially distant sport in itself, so you can do that, but it was nice to see live sports when the reality is that that we're going to take our lead from some of the things that occur at the pro and very honestly more at the college and, and university level. You just may have heard the University of Michigan president come out yesterday and say, if kids aren't back on campus, there's no way we're having college sports at the University of Michigan. When a statement that bold is made, that's going to have some trickle-down effect on everything. And naturally, that, that's going to trickle down to high school sports as well. I would tell you that if schools don't have kids in school, it's going to be awfully hard to have school-based sports. It just is. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes to spectators. And, 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 I mean, no matter how many social distancing guidelines and protocols you put in place, there's going to be some real challenges to the fact that we as humans need human interaction. And that's one of our releases is, is sports. And I don't know if we're going to have that. I know it's not going to be normal. I, I do know that. Well, Cody, I think we uh, went through quite a bit of stuff today. I know that while it may not be normal, we're all excited to even see what this new normal is just so we can all get back out and watch these kids compete uh, throughout the state of Michigan. I'm right there with you. I, uh, I can't wait. I know it's going to happen. I have faith in that, and I believe it. I just, uh, like I said, don't know when. And uh, when it does, it's going to be going to be great i think it'll be uh, a huge boost for our culture our society and make us uh, make us better and, and get us back to that whatever that new normal is all righty cody well thank you so much for taking your time out of your memorial day to chat with us here at the get around best of luck uh down at the mhsaa we know you guys are doing everything you can to try to get us back on the sidelines and get those kids back on the field so uh we appreciate you guys down there anytime thanks guys Another huge thank you to Cody for joining us here at the Get Around. It's always good to get an insight on what's going on with the uh, top brass in the state of Michigan, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, really what's, what's going to happen here this fall. So thank you so much once again, Cody. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two occasions in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. You know what time it is, gentlemen. It's time for the final of our greatest of all time vote. The greatest athlete of all time. We started off with 64 names, which, to our dismay, still got some flack. But we've whittled it down all the way to two. I've seen a lot of brackets like this, gentlemen. I've seen a lot of, you know, conversations. But I don't know if I've ever actually seen this one in the final. Our final round, I think nobody would have been surprised. Michael Jordan destroyed Tom Brady. And after seeing the match yesterday, you like, kind of see why. Yeah, 73, <laughs> I think it was 73-27. And then the shocker for some people, not for me. If you listen to this podcast, you heard me make my case last week. But Kobe Bryant pulled out the win over LeBron James, 51% to 49%. I'm so glad this wasn't Michael versus LeBron again. Exactly. And I, 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 I think that's times. one of, the, that's one of the, my favorite parts about it is for years, and I literally mean the majority of my life, we talked about this last week, I have always put Kobe, LeBron, like that was the conversation that I had because those were the guys that I saw, I've seen in my time, right? We got a lot of votes on that one too, 135. Yeah, and Kobe is my guy. and Kobe is definitely the better. His basketball career is better than LeBron James. And I did think about it. I was wrong last week when I said LeBron kind of stood out like he was 
tall he wasn't the tallest midget per se on that Cavs team like Kobe also had a similar situation in the, in the Lakers yeah that's what I was trying to get to you guys last week I was trying to tell you Kobe been Kobe was dragging them around for years anyways we got to get into this final talk we're not going to go too long because we've done so much but you're going to get our votes here on the podcast and you're going to have to make the rest of the decisions for us so without further ado gentlemen Michael Jordan versus Kobe Bryant for the get around's greatest athlete of all time who you got I don't want to have to vote for Michael Jordan, but I have to. You have to. Yeah. If it would have been Jordan versus LeBron, I go LeBron. But Jordan versus Kobe, I go Jordan. And I don't like Jordan. But I mean, ah, I don't want to. I don't want to have to, man. Why'd you guys put me in this position? I don't know why. Why'd you guys put me in this position? I don't know why you're voting for Jordan. You want me to pull up their resumes again? Don't make me defend Jordan. Kobe Bryant's resume is literally the only thing that's close to Michael Jordan's resume. His career's done, though. LeBron, you can't. I mean, LeBron's career is not done. Well, you, well but, I mean, but still. So, I mean, but, that, that means LeBron still has to win two more rings, another, like, two scoring titles, uh, another three defensive, all defensive teams for mm-hmm. either one, Michael or Kobe. And average, like, negative two assists a game for the rest of his career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, you guys know me. It's, it was I know you're a Kobe game, guy. Game, set, match. And I'm not ripping on Kobe. No. I'm just saying you put Kobe and Michael Jordan – I still think Kobe's going to beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one basketball match. Maybe. I'll put him like that. I think Maybe. Kobe beats Maybe. Jordan in a one-on-one basketball match. But if you play Jordan against LeBron one-on-one, LeBron's going to beat Jordan. Right? That's what you think. Because he's just too physical for him. There's no way that, jo- that Jordan can guard him. I think. That's what you think. Because LeBron can just back him down. LeBron can't so. back Kobe down. We've seen that try to happen. See, we never got that overlap of LeBron and Michael. We got to see Michael and Kobe play with each other. They were we actually, got to see LeBron and Kobe play against each other. But they, LeBron, Jordan and Kobe were actually pretty darn good friends when they played in the NBA. Yeah. I've, like, there's a lot of writing well, on there. Well, Kobe Bryant is, if, if you didn't realize it, was always quintessentially, like, the top, like, person in the NBA when he was around. Like, I'm talking about with, with people in circles. Like, he is always was always the best person for everybody. Like, it was always intense, but... On the outside, Kobe Bryant was just like Didn't an they say angel. That? Did you watch Jordan Doc ever? No, not yet. Okay, so like in the start of the Kobe episode, or when Kobe first, get, first gets to the league, Jordan realized right away that Kobe Bryant was talented. Like he realized he was going to be a threat to this league at some point. Like he, he had a lot of respect for him, is what I remember. Yeah, and I mean... Episode 5. You ask me, I mean, I probably would have voted like this. From the start, this is this was who I mean. I was hoping Kobe Bryant was going to win this bracket. I think someone predicted yeah. LeBron and, or Jordan and Kobe. I was hoping Kobe was going to win this bracket. So we're we're split one and one right now, Andrew. I mean, who are you choosing on this final vote? I'm going to go Jordan. The same reasoning I said earlier that Jordan did so much more that beyond his athleticism to the sport of basketball, to American culture. I just think you're arguing. Against the wrong person with that, like but Kobe, Kobe Bryant is too. the quintessential part. But like Kobe him, and Jordan too. and Kobe are the two quintessential ones who went. They were well beyond the sport that they played. I know they were well beyond their their mystery, their lore is well beyond just basketball. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to change your vote. I get it. I'm just saying that that argument you could make the exact same argument for Kobe Bryant. Just literally turned 180 degrees around. I'm gonna read a quote from Kobe Bryant in the Last Dance. It was a rough couple of years for me coming into the, into the league because all the time the league was so much older. 
It's not as young as it is today, so nobody was really thinking about me. I was a kid that shot a bunch of air balls, you know what I mean? And then the point Michael provided a lot of guidance for me. I had a question about shooting in his turnaround shot, so I, turned, so I asked him for it. And he gave me a great detailed answer. On top of that, he said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. Michael was a teacher. He knew the game. He taught it. So he made Kobe who he was. I think. Okay. It's, it's, no, he didn't. Yeah. He, Kobe said Kobe no, says he, that. He, 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 he yeah, did not say co- that Michael Jordan made him who he was. Find me the quote. Kobe. No, that, mean, that means that he helped him with his jump shot. That did not make Kobe who he was. He was one of Kobe's idols. Yes. Yeah, and I think they were on good terms. Yeah, and, that's uh, what like I mean. They texted each other a lot, stuff like that. You know, uh, Jor- I mean, Jordan was not necessarily that to his own teammates. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that like, he he might have been really big with Kobe because Kobe was the next big thing. Yeah. Do you, you hear the Horace Grant interview? He does not like him. Yeah. No man, like Horace Grant was saying one time. I think it was on their flight back to a game or at the, ho- the hotel or something that that Jordan came over and told the the waitress or the stewardess like, you know, don't don't give this guy any food. He didn't play well tonight. He didn't deserve any food. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not trying to trash Jordan. I just love my man's Kobe. Yeah. Good luck to both of these guys in our goat vote. Okay, so oh, wait, there was uh, here I got, I got one thing, though, in the, in the Kobe-LeBron thing. In points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, games, not games, but, I mean, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. How many of those categories as Kobe Bryant – Superior to LeBron James in career stats. You said you were talking about Le- Jordan and Kobe, though. I don't know, but Kobe and LeBron was the matchup. Prior to this. Getting to this, yeah. Yeah, it's probably like three I'm or just... four of them, three or four categories. No. Free throw percentage. That's it. That's it. That's it. And LeBron's played uh, about 100 less games. Yeah. And he's and he, and he a lot of them aren't close. Like, assists is 3,000 different. Rebounds, 2,300 different. Blocks. 300 and some different steals um that's fairly close 1900 to 2000 okay so 100 difference yeah well 1944 to 2011 so but pull that up, one's pull close up, pull up that one's close jordan versus kobe yeah he beats him in every category kobe, career, career stats are a little bit higher and kobe versus jordan uh yeah i mean scoring yeah 30 to 25 and a half assists 5.3 to 4.8 Steals two point three to one point five percentages. But like I said, Jordan was able. Jordan was allowed to gamble on defense and get more steals because he had such great defensive players behind him. And are, are you saying so, whose numbers but, are you saying first in this category? Jordan's first because okay. Jordan's got the higher numbers in pretty much everything. Okay. Jordan in his prime was better than Kobe in his prime. A small edge in blocks. I mean, it's not huge. Rebounds is like less than one a game difference. Field goal percentage, a couple points. These two are both thirty-five point game players. Yeah. Though. Kobe's got him a little bit in free th- in three point percentage, and their field free throw percentage is almost the same. Kobe's like point three percent higher. Regardless, Kobe Bryant's still better. We have a good luck, everybody. Good luck on the vote. I think Jordan will smoke Kobe. <laughs> Clay and I were actually talking about this on the drive down, and we were talking about the the, Le- the LeBron versus Jordan and Kobe and and all that. And I said I said to him I'm like, okay, if Jordan played in today's NBA, what player do you think he is? LeBron James? No. He's not as big or physical as LeBron. I mean, like, player type, game type, physique type. James Harden? Harden's a way better three-point shooter, though. Yeah, but that's not like a... And not as good of a defensive player, I guess. Although I thought Jordan was over it. My my answer, even though the stats 
because he's he plays more of a point guard thing would have been Russell Westbrook. That's what I just thought. That was the one that bunked in my head. Would, was would have been Russell Westbrook. Really, an attack in the rim. Yeah, has no fear about putting up shots. Yeah, wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game. So then, my follow up question to that was: Is Russell Westbrook ever in the consideration for being the greatest basketball player of all time? No. No. <laughs> so I just argued against myself. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. Let's go, Kobe. All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on into our Hall of Fame, guys. We're going to go ahead and put three new athletes into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. we got some spring athletes going this week. I'm going to go ahead and get us started off with, with TC West's Aiden Griggs. He's going to run track at West Point. I know it takes quite a bit to get into West Point, And nonetheless, he's going to go down there and not only obviously train for the Army, go to school, but also run track. Needed plenty of recommendations to get there, so congratulations to Aiden. Andrew? I got Tatum Townsend from Frankfurt, uh, pole vaulter there. She's going to Cornerstone next week. I hear, James, you have a story on her. I've seen her in the CMS for quite some time now. Yeah, there'll be a story coming up pretty soon on her going to uh, going to be pole vaulter there at Cornerstone. Sandra Stockdale from Frankfurt as well. I'm going to be going to the same school also as a pole vaulter, so I think I those will be coming up. James, it's you. Oh. Who you got this time? Oh, uh, Johannesburg Lewiston golfer Joe Krenchik, the first golfer uh, to go to the college level since Joburg kind of reinstated its golf program four years ago. Interesting, you know, and then his dad became the, the uh, principal of the school, and before that he went to Gaylord, and then when he got to high school the dad was like, hey, you know, I'd like you to join me in Johannesburg Lewiston, and he's like, well, do they have a golf team? No. Well, then I want to go. <laughs> and so the dad's like, well, I'll make sure they get a golf team. And then they had, are. Then they had a golf later. team. And the dad coaches the principal and coaches the golf team. And four years later, they're sending somebody to college. Yep. So congratulations to Joey, Tatum, and Aiden for joining the most exclusive club in northern Michigan, the Get Around Hall of Fame. Don't forget, we want your guys' nominations for the Get Around Hall of Fame. Comment on our Facebook post, on Twitter, on Instagram, and let us know who you think should be the next member of the Get Around Hall of Fame. So without any further ado, let's get into our final segment of the day, our trifecta. Gentlemen, I know it's been a long couple of months, and like I said, I think we're finally starting to at least see like a speck of light at the end of the tunnel, right? Even if it's just a little dot, we're starting to see it. So when we get to the end of the tunnel, what are you most excited to come back or to reopen or whatever it may be? What are you most excited to do when we get to the end of this tunnel? I'd be happy just to get back to covering live games. I mean, it's just it's been too long, and that's why you know, I love it's, my it's, job. It's such a part of yeah, it's such a part of our job. It's such a large part of our life and everything. So it's that's just something I'm really looking to to get back to. I mean, provi- watching professional sports on TV be great too. Yeah, but uh, you know, the local, the high school stuff that we do day in day out, it'd be kind of just cool to be able to get back into that instead of uh, you know sitting at my dining room table in a robe and slippers and writing out stories yeah, in case anybody didn't know james is three quarters the way naked when you talk to him nowadays uh <laughs> no i, I could totally sympathize with that dude like that's the one i think that's the one thing that like i've just actually been like man i just cannot wait to be back on the sidelines of a football game in the fall or man i, re- I even just in a basketball gym definitely a big thing for me i'm not gonna use give the same answer same answer as you do just because, you know, then that's lame. But uh, definitely, like, way, way, way up there on the list. I mean, obviously, for me, it's just it's not going to happen for a while. But I am, like, so excited for... I don't even care if it's, like, a full-on concert. I don't need, like, to be in, like, a huge sweaty room with people. But, like, 
even if it's just me going, like, I don't, I'm not even the biggest fan of this normally, but even if it's just me, like, going to sit outside at Little Fleet and getting, like, a live band, mm-hmm. like, I am just, like, I don't even care who's playing, what's happening. I am just, I want some live music in my life, some stuff I haven't heard before, or just, where I can just vibe. And I ain't got to worry about nothing. I just, I don't even want to go back to the bars. If I, if I could just get a live band in my backyard or something, I think I would be okay with it. But, like, I am fiending for some live music, big time. If we can't be on the sidelines, I need I need some live music in my life. The one thing I'm worried about going to going back to cover stuff is I need to find a and if and if any of our re, uh, listeners can help me with this, maybe I need to find a face mask that doesn't fog up my glasses. Uh, that's gonna be tough yeah, because yeah, because yeah, because I'm assuming that we're gonna have to wear those when we go back to cover football games in the future, and I'm gonna be taking pictures, and I can't take pictures through fogged up glasses as well. Yeah. So it's like. I gotta be like, how can how can I do this? Maybe we should invent that and just become rich, and then really hop on this mass train like everybody else was. Andrew, what are you most looking forward to returning to normal? We always talk about how it's not really gonna be fun because there's not gonna, there might not be fans for high school football in the fall. Um, kind of looked like that might have been a couple of weeks or months ago, but maybe it's looking the other way now. Who knows at this point? But what I miss the most is just seeing people happy after like they score a touchdown or. Advanced to the state finals. You know what I'm talking about? Like the the split second moment where everybody's face just turns from everybody's face turns from average to just, they just light up and just go crazy. Mob their teammates, parents come jumping for joy in the stands. I miss those moments. So that's what I that's what makes me get up every day. It sounds weird, but that's what I that's what I really enjoy the most about my job. And I miss that. So I'm, I want that to come back. I also. Uh... Honestly, this might sound really weird. I'm really excited to hug people again. <laughs> like I haven't had a good salad, like good hug, in a couple months. Or a good handshake. Yeah, well, <laughs> I gave you a good handshake after our round of golf yesterday. I don't care. That's why. That's why I, I had to tell Andrew that I was like, I don't care about Corona. I wash my hands before I get in my car. This wait, is wait, etiquette wait. on a golf course. You take your hat off on the 18th green. You shake your partner's hands. You say it's been a good game. But uh. Yeah, I mean, you don't hug each other on the golf course. Um, and also, I want to see my grandma. I just want to go see my grandma. And I, I haven't been tested for COVID yet, so I don't know if I have it, so I won't go see her. I got to see my grandma. So, if you miss your grandma, throw a thumbs up in the chat. I don't know. Give us a like, a comment, a share. I miss my grandma. I hope you do, too. And I think you guys are going to miss us until next week when we come back with episode 129. So, we'll leave you be. Have a great quarantine. I hope Memorial Day went well for all of our Audible viewers. We will see you next week.